so good just to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, we could just talk about that for a few hours, a few decades, probably till eternity, how good it is to be in the presence of the Lord. It's good to see Mike and Jody. So good to see you guys. I had a feeling we'd be seeing you real soon. Thank you, Father. Well, let's pray. Uh, and then I got some things rolling around in my heart. How many know we've been doing a series called Reformation Contamination? How many are enjoying the series? You can be honest. If you're not, don't raise your hand. Okay, let's do it again. How many are enjoying the series? Whoever didn't raise their hand, I'm going to talk to you after the service. I'm just playing. Uh, but it's been awesome to be able to get into a little bit of church history and, and some things. If we really look at what we, uh, what we believe today, why we believe it, you know, a lot of stuff, just not necessarily stuff that we've been taught, but things that we've inher- ways of thinking that we've inherited, uh, that we've inherited from, uh, you know, just, just church that we've inherited from religion. We've inherited from culture, ways that we understand God, the ways that we see God, phrases that we use that aren't necessarily in the Bible or uh, reflected in the life of Jesus. And it's important as believers, we know these things. Amen. We should never feel like we should be force fed to believe something. Hello. Now I'm going to say that because I think we misunderstand what indoctrination is. Indoctrinate, like when you learn, when you are taught something, uh, it should never be religious propaganda. It should never be like a, a, like you have to believe this way. Now, we understand as Christians, we, we believe in Jesus. Amen? How many called Jesus Lord and King? He's the Savior of the world. He died, was buried, He rose again, He ascended, He sits at the right hand of the Father. We believe the kingdom of God is advancing in the earth. He's coming again someday, physically and bodily, and He will uh, come in the brightness of His glory. Having to believe that the final resurrection and judgment day will come where everything is vindicated, everything is brought to light. We believe in the fundamentals. We believe in the Nicene Creed that our church fathers thought long and hard and got together in 325 AD, the, the creed of the just fundamental, the core, who Jesus is and what it's all about. But all the other stuff should never sway us. If, if we're holding on to some type of non-essential doctrine to, to where we get offended or caused to stumble when someone challenges what we believe is a non-essential, we may have made the non-essential a sacred cow. And if we're stumbling, then we're probably holding on to a cow that's being knocked down. Sacred cows are idols. Idols are not meant to be played with or polished. They're meant to be knocked down. Amen. And sometimes the religious system of the way, like just church, you know, like you have to believe this certain way. Like, you know, listen, we have, we we believe differently on the non-essentials, but we believe in Jesus. Now, you know, the church fathers didn't agree on everything. There's church fathers that were universalist. And they, they, didn't, they weren't Unitarian universalists, but they believed that ultimately through Christ, everyone will be reconciled to God. They're church fathers, very important church fathers that helped put the Bible together that believed that. There's some that didn't believe that. There's some that believe different versions of the afterlife and hell. And some church fathers believe that when you when someone goes to hell, they, they're annihilated immediately. Some believe that they're annihilated over time. Some believe that it's forever and ever and ever and ever. That's the main view in throughout church history. So you have different ways of thinking on non-essentials. So we have to be careful that, that we don't find ourselves in a place where we're actually not thinking for ourselves. Hello? 
We cannot be force-fed religious propaganda. As a church, I want us as a people, as we grow, as a movement, to be mature and not tossed by every wind of doctrine, not just blown around by winds of teaching. We should be solid. And, uh, you know, there is unity in diversity. And there, there's so much, there's glory on it because uh, sometimes we don't realize it takes, uh, it takes many different sounds to make a symphony. And that's the body of Christ. This is not a solo artist show. Amen. You don't have to believe what I believe. If what I believe helps you, great. But you don't have to believe what I believe, what this leadership believes. I think you should believe in the fundamentals. Amen. But I want you to think for yourself. I don't want you to feel forced to believe a certain way because of something that's been around for the last few hundred years. Or a concept of God, let me say this, that we don't see in Jesus. Amen. I surely don't want you to believe that because that's, that's the fundamental. That it, God is perfectly revealed in Jesus. So if we're believing a God that, that doesn't look like Jesus, then, then we're missing it. Amen. So a lot of times I think uh, what I want to share with you this morning in this series, we've been talking about the contamination, uh, not just from the Reformation. I believe that the Reformation was necessary I believe that Martin Luther and John Calvin and the reformers that have gone before us around the 15, uh, 1500s, they, they had some great things to bring, uh, bring a, awareness to us uh, as far as what God was doing in the church, exposing corruption, exposing the religious system that domineered, exposing the religious control. But that all came from stuff that went down earlier on. And, and we talked a little bit about it, about St. Augustine. And, and there's church fathers that we have to glean from. I would encourage you to read about some of these. Uh, read Martin Luther's stuff. Read John Calvin. Read uh, St. Augustine and, and some of these saints. Read St. Athanasius. And, and read some of these fa- church fathers and reformers that have gone before us. Although I may not agree with everything they taught, we have to glean from the good stuff. But we have to identify the contamination, the pollution. And what the pollution is, is it's a religious way of thinking that will, that will be like a cloud of confusion over your minds. And we may not realize it as Christians, as evangelical Christians, but we may be bound in our thinking because of this religious propaganda that is force-fed in our churches and in our system. Hello? Now, it's real quiet in here, and I, I guess I'll just take that as a really loud amen because you're thinking. And I, I want you to think. I want you to think for yourself. A teacher should never be somebody that tries to get you to believe exactly what they believe, but somebody who inspires you to actually think and think for yourself. I'll say that again if you want me to because it's very worthy of you meditating on. When I teach you, I'm trying to get you to think. I'm not trying to give you all the answers. I want to give you the right questions. If we stop asking questions, we stop growing. We should all, and and when I say questions, I don't mean question everything. Like Socrates, why? Like the little kid, mommy, why? Why does the earth go around? Just because it does. But why? Because God made it that. But why? Because it goes around the sun and there's gravity. Why is there gravity? Why, 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 why? I'm not talking about that kind of, how many know that's annoying? Right? How many just got annoyed with me? Raise your hand. <laughs> Two people, raise your hand. I was gone a whole Sunday, and that's how you treat me? Seriously, guys? I'm not talking about the annoying wise. 
I'm, talk, I'm not talking about questioning the, the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus. I'm talking about questioning like stuff that, like, well, I, I don't know. That doesn't seem quite right. Like, God is all pissed off, so he sent Jesus, and he pours his wrath out on Jesus. And, like, I don't know. I don't really see that explicitly in the, in the text of the scripture, that God is inspired to point us to Jesus. So it's okay to question things. It's okay to believe one certain way. It's okay. I mean, you know, like eschatology, we could believe in, I honestly, I don't know how exactly it's going to go down. You want to know where I stand? I don't know how it's going to go down, but I don't believe that the modern day evangelical American version of the rapture is really the best way to look at it scripturally because it's not been held by the historical church. It's 180 years old. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying that there's much more out there that is more sound biblically. As a matter of fact, the term left behind is you could believe in the pre-trib rapture. You could be a futurist and all that. But if you use the term left behind, that's not a biblically, that's not an accurate term to use if you're talking about the quote rapture. Because the term left behind in Matthew 24 says one will be taken, another will be left. And so people say, oh, that's the rapture. But if you read it in Luke, Jesus answers their question, where will they be taken? And Jesus says, well, you see the bodies. That's where they're going to be taken. In other words, the ones taken die. That sounds to me like you, you do want to be left behind if you read what the Bible simply states. I'm not saying the rapture isn't real, but left behind, the whole movie, the whole thing is based on a just a wrong way of what the scripture says and an historical contextual interpretation of the Bible. That's how Roman soldiers kill. So th- those are examples of you could listen. I don't know where I stand on all that, but where I do stand is I want people's minds free from religious propaganda and contamination. If you can't think for yourself and you are brainwashed by religion, you are bound. Hello? I don't want people bound. I want to see people free. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit doesn't just set you free in your body. How many know he heals us? Come on, somebody. We could just bust out some, in, some beautiful, uh, you know, testimonies of the healing power of God. Someone was just telling me something. Someone got healed last week. Like God heals our bodies. Come on. My wife was healed from carpal tunnel. We prayed for her. We got, we settled the issue. Said, no, this ain't going to happen. Uh-uh. There was a righteous enmity against the oppression of sickness because sin and death reigned in the cosmos through Adam. Jesus undid the work of Adam. Come on, somebody. Grace reigns in Jesus Christ. We say, no, sickness comes from all that stuff and we won't tolerate it. And we laid hands on my wife and we said, no, in Jesus' name, sickness go. We went to the neurologist. He's poking her arm. There's no carpal tunnel after she had been diagnosed. And, he, and we're laughing. Why are you smiling? He's like, because we prayed. He's like, that's awesome. The neurologist says, I can't believe how some people don't believe in God. The human body's amazing. The neurologist says this. I, I see him. Now God sets us free. The anointing sets us free in our bodies. Come on. In our spirits. He also sets our minds free. And when our minds are free, we think for ourselves. We have a sound mind. We're responsible. We can make decisions. We have authority in the earth. We have authority to rule and reign and make choices. God wants you to make choices. You are not meant to be a robot and all talk and think and act the same. He wants diversity. He wants to flow through you in your personality, in your who you are. He loves who you are. He wants who you are in him fully alive because you're a gift to the world. Don't stifle it by not thinking for yourself. 
Don't, don't just uh, eat all the religious propaganda that's out there. Think for yourself. There is a, a spirit of revelation on what I'm saying. I want you to capture it. Sometimes we confuse re- renewing our minds with having our minds free from the captivity of religion. Now, when you renew your mind, how many know Romans chapter 12? You love that scripture. You have it memorized, don't you? Who has it memorized? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Memorize it. He says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed, verse 2, to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may show forth and prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, Paul's writing to a church that they needed to change the way they thought, not just Gentiles, but Jews. Jews are saying the Gentiles are made righteous by faith and I've been practicing the law for all these years. And so if my dads and my moms and my fathers and my grandfathers for all these years were God's chosen people, what do you mean been, they've been grafted in? Paul's trying to change the way they think. And he's also trying to break the contamination off the Gentiles' mind too, which we're going to look at a verse. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 in just a moment. But Paul says, renew your mind. How many know when you renew your mind, you replace the old with the new? Who here has a computer? Raise your hand. I think this is a very limited analogy, but I'll give it to you anyways. Everybody knows that when your hard drive gets full, it slows the computer down, right? When when your mind is full of things that shouldn't be there, you think slow. And what we don't realize is that the Bible says... That it's our spirit in, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 2 or 2 Corinthians 2. It's the spirit of a man that causes the mind to think. So if you're not thinking straight or thinking for yourself, you've in fact allowed something to contaminate your spirit. There's a verse in, in uh, the letter to the church of Corinth where Paul says, uh, Having these promises, beloved, cleanse yourselves from the defilement of the spirit and the flesh, Perfecting holiness in the fear of God, in the reverence of God. I want you to know that renewing your mind is not just reprogramming, although that is a way to look at it. When your hard drive's full, how many know the computer's slow? You also can't download any new programs, any operating software on a hard drive that is full. Now, back in the day when computers were more popular for the consumer, the hard drives were very small. How many remember? Like, you couldn't put much on them. You know, who had like an old Apple? I had the original Apple or the old Texas instrument. Who had one of those things? I had one. I was, li- I was really little. And my dad bought me this book and I, I did little programs on it. And I would literally spend, and I couldn't type well. I was just a little kid. I still can't type well. I'm like one of those hunt and peck dudes, right? Who does that? Come on, somebody. We're brothers. I remember programming this thing for 20 minutes to just go and show some colors. Like, oh, look what I just did to the computer. I programmed the computer. I'm so cool. But back in the day, computers, the hard drives that they could put on a tiny little thumb drive filled a whole room in the 70s. Like, here's all our memory space. Look how cool this is. And there's these huge things spinning on the wall. Come on, 70s science fiction movies. You know what I'm talking about. You remember 70s time? The whole wall is full of hard drive. Now that can be 
fit on your phone, right? Like 64, 100 gigabytes on a phone, on a little tiny phone. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same concept. I, I want you to realize that God wants to expand your capacity and ability to think. See, the mind is not evil. As our hearts are oriented to heaven, our mind comes alive. Our, we are renewed, this is what Ephesians said, renewed in the spirit of our mind. Renewed in the capacity, not just replacing the old with the new. Yes, that's renewing the mind. We replace the old with the new. We believe truth instead of a lie. Come on, somebody. And if we're bound, we're believing a lie. And if we're free, then we're clinging to truth. And the ultimate truth is Jesus. He is the truth. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus clinging to him. The simplicity of who he is, the revelation of who he is, that he is the son of the living God come to give us abundant life. It's life where not only are we fully alive, but we can think for ourselves. Our mind is sanctified. Our mind is renewed. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewing your mind is what causes change, is what causes us to show forth what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God in the earth. But we don't realize that maybe... We, we think renewing our mind is just, just memorizing Scripture. I love memorizing the Scripture. How many know that, that like, it's good to memorize the Bible? Amen? The Word of God. We've got to take it in. We've got to, but we can't allow it to merely sit on the seat of our intellect if the foundation of our intellect is contaminated and restricting our very ability to be free in our minds. Hello? Now, I'm going to just say this real quick because you need to hear it. Jesus said in John chapter 5 to the Pharisees who were very, very good Bible studiers. They had concordances of their day. They had every study tool you could imagine. They had the latest and greatest software. Imagining they have computers. They had all that you need to study. I do a word study. I have translations that are word for word. I have translations that are thought for thought. I have translations that are exact interlinear from the Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew texts of the Old and New Testament. Praise God. Jesus looks at these people who are learned. They're learned, right? He looks at the learned ones and he says, you're studying the Bible, the scripture of their day. He was talking about the Old Testament. You search the scriptures diligently, thinking that in them you'll have eternal life. But what you don't realize is that they point to me. He straight up rebuked him. John chapter 5, verse 39. The gospel of John chapter 5, verse 39. Powerful verse. See, they think that they're eating from the tree of life when they're actually eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the law, which is that legal system of religion that somehow appeals to our senses. But we don't realize our senses are bound by the spirit of religion. But what God wants is He wants you to think for yourself. He wants you to trust in Him. He doesn't just want you to have a belief system. He wants your heart. He wants your heart to rely and lean into him. He wants fellowship. He wants intimacy. Many times we get so caught up in memorizing scripture that we don't even know the guy who wrote it. Hello? Can you say amen? Now, I'm just ranting a little today. I hope that's okay. I've been away for a week, so just cut me a little slack, would you please, for service. I really have a passion to see reformers and revivalists in the earth be alive. I really, I really want you to know that you're a gift to the world and I don't want anything to hinder you. 
I don't want anything to hinder you, a part of this community, this body, this city, your family, everything that God has created you for. You have an amazing destiny, and I want you to be just, not just free in your spirit, in your body, but also in your mind, the ability to think. The spirit of religion and the spirit of fear are married to one another. And that pollution of fear is like a toxic smog that clouds our ability to think. It defiles our spirits when we forget who we are, that we're sons and daughters of the living God. God never intended Adam and Eve to be robots. He gave them authority to have dominion. Come on, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, fill the earth. In other words, he gave them something to own. Not to sit and be robots. We are not part of, the what is it called, Star Trek, the Borg the collective entity. That's not what God wanted. He wants you fully alive. He wants, he loves who you are and he wants to flow through who you are. And he wants you to think for yourself. Let me read a couple of verses to you as we uh, seal this in just a moment. Ephesians chapter four, I was reading this in the, in the new international version. And then I started reading it in the message and it was so powerful. Um, I was reading through the whole chapter from chapter one how many know what Ephesians 4 talks about? If you've read it, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago about how we are a gift to the world. And Ephesians chapter 4 talks about how Jesus gave gifts to his bride, to his church. How many know Jesus loves his church? And he doesn't just say it. He, he gave his life for his church. Um, and he, he gave gifts to his church. And these gifts are people. The gifts of Jesus in the Bible are people, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, their ministry gifts. Says he ascended into heaven and then he handed out these beautiful gifts. Now these are gifts that it's easier to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they come directly from the divine, right? Like Holy Spirit gifts. We love Holy Spirit gifts. How many here love speaking in tongues? Come on. How many here are going to outdo Paul? I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. That's me. I will outdo Paul. I will get to heaven one day and Paul will say, you actually spoke in tongues more than me. And I'll be like, well, <laughs> it wasn't really fair. You were martyred early on in life. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we'll need that gift in, in heaven. But Rochelle, somebody asked me, I have the honor to teach at a Bible school here in town at ICLV. And um, we just finished up a course and the students come up and ask me questions. And this guy's like, hey, I'm a pastor. Can you give me advice? You know, and I'm, I'm like praying tongues a lot. I'm like, I pray in tongues all the time. Rochelle's like, all the time. I'm like, does it annoy you a little bit? Oh, hmm. We love the gifts of the spirit, right? Come on. I mean, we love prophecy, healing. I love discernment. We need these. And we love the gifts that God has given us in Romans 12. The gifts that come with our, the, who we are, right? Like some of us are just teachers. We like to break things down to people. And that's who you are. And God wants that fully alive. But the gifts that Jesus lives in Ephesians 4 are wrapped in a different wrapping paper. It's called a person. Matter of fact, the word is different. The, the word gift in the, in the Greek is doma. It's not charisma, which is the, the gift, the supernatural divine grace from heaven that en enables someone that flows through somebody like the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it comes in the same realm of grace 
the gift, the doma gift, the gift of the person. It's by the grace of God, God anoints somebody for a function to help equip the body. So Ephesians chapter 4 talks about that. But if we move on a little bit more, I want to read some things to you because he, he, he actually says something like, your, your, your mind has been polluted. He says, I, I don't want you, I'm going to paraphrase, you can read the whole chapter. I'm going to read it from the message in just a, a minute. The message is a translation by Eugene Peterson, a brilliant scholar. Um, and it is a translation. It's not a targum. He actually knows the, the, the text. He knows the Greek, the Aramaic, and the Hebrew. Um, it, it's not just a targum like a commentary. It's a very good, it's, it's not the best to read word for word, but it's a good way to expound on truth. I do recommend other translations like the NAS, the NIV, uh, you know, the New English Version. There's, there's ones that are good that are not biased to one way of thinking. Um, like the King James and uh, the ESV, the English Standard Version, some of those are biased to reform theology. But this version expounds and exemplifies things. And I, and I love Eugene Peterson. But he starts out, Paul is writing to this church, and he says, listen, you've been, your mind has, you haven't been sensible. And he says, you Gentiles have been, uh, your mind has been literally defiled. Matter of fact, let me just read it to you. Uh, let me read it to you in the New International Version, just a couple verses, and then we're going to close by reading towards the end of Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the way that Eugene Peterson in the message has brilliantly exemplified what I'm trying to say to you this morning. How many are enjoying this this morning? So in Ephesians chapter 4, um, first of all, he talks about the unity of the body. And, and I love the way... Uh, the message puts, he says, you're not supposed to all think and act the same. Like, in other words, you're not supposed to be a robot. We are not part of the Borg. Come on. We're part of the body of Christ. And, and God doesn't want us to, uh, he wants us to see the beauty of diversity and unity. That there is, that unity isn't a, a pure unity in the God sense without diversity. It's, it's the same understanding of the triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're uniquely different, but they're one and from the same substance. And we should have the same thing as being part of the family of God. Then he goes on and he tells us how, how we can achieve this unity is by receiving the gifts that Jesus has given us. Now, I want to just read a few verses here from, uh, uh, from Ephesians 4, verse 17 in the NIV. This I tell you and insist on Insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles did in the futility of their thinking. Say futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now it's interesting, side note, the reason their thinking was darkened is because their hearts were hard. Now, I'm talking to you about the mind, but it's important you understand that the center of your being is the heart. That is the Hebrew view. So if you understand that the reason you're thinking a certain way is because of the posturing of your heart, it's easy to take your thoughts captive when your heart is captivated. It's, it's not necessarily a, a, a mind problem. It's a heart posturing. This is very important. 
And so it's easy to tell if someone's mind works a certain way and they're defensive or they're unteachable or they can't think for themselves and they, they just, no, I don't know, I don't know. And they, and you know, like we hold on to non-essential doctrines and things and, and you know, like we get really defensive about this stuff. It shows the posturing of our heart. And if our heart is posture right, we're teachable, we're open, we, we can think for ourselves, we're open to questions, we're open to rethink things that maybe aren't bearing fruit. Hello. That's what this series is all about. The series is all about rethinking churchianity theology that isn't currently changing the world. Because if you want to be a world changer, you got to think for yourself and rethink some things that ain't working. Hello? Oh, it's real quiet in here now. Hello, are you with me? When I say hello, I want you to put some effects on there like hello, 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 hello. That would be really cool. Can we? <laughs> Luis will actually do it. He will. I'm kidding. Don't do it. Thank you. No, when I say hello, hello, let's try to get ready. Hello, brilliant, lovely. The whole series is about you having the capacity that God has given you to think for yourself. Amen. And if there's something that's not bearing fruit, lay the ax to the root. I love those one-liners. You want me to say that again so you can tweet it? If there's something that's not bearing fruit, lay the ax to the root. In our own hearts, in our own lives. Come on. Sometimes that spirit of rebellion can creep in in a little subtle way. If it's not bearing fruit, lay the ax to the root. And it doesn't matter what people say. If they don't have the character of Christ coupled with the anointing on their life, you better be careful who you're listening to. Hello? I don't have no idea why I said that. But that was for some people. Maybe it's for me. Glory. I receive it, Lord. Ephesians chapter 4. He says, their understanding, why is their understanding darkened? Because their heart was hard. And if your heart gets callous, it will affect the way you think. Amen. Good word, Pastor Zach. Thank you. Glory to God. Don't shut me down while I'm preaching. Good. He says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensualities as to indulge every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Paul's like, this is an issue. Now, I'm going to read just a few verses here that the way Eugene Peterson puts it. And so I insist, starting at verse 17 in the message, as God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. Isn't that powerful? There's a lot of religious brainwashing that goes on. I don't think we realize it. In churches, I don't ever want to be like that. I don't want you to ever think you have to believe a certain way. I want your mind to be free. I want you to know your stuff. I want you to know the scripture. I want you to know what it's all about. I want you to know church history. Come on. I want you to know why you believe what you believe. Is that okay? Don't just go along with the crowd. Think for yourself. He goes in and he says, they've refused for so long to deal with God that they have lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go into sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. Then he goes on, he says, but that's no life for you. You learn Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, being well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance 
everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go, including the way we think. Everything connected to the old man that died 2,000 years ago and was crucified with Christ has to die. Amen. We have to consider the old man dead. And he goes on, he says, it's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life, hear me, a life renewed from the inside. The, the, the New International Version says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and the attitude of your mind, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Listen, to be transformed is by renewing your mind. It isn't just replacing lies with truth. It's also having the ability to think and owning your mind, taking responsibility that you can actually control what you're thinking. Hello? I just can't control these thoughts. Oh, then you've allowed your mind to be captive by the religious lie that says that you're not a new creation in Christ Jesus. Or have you allowed some lie to tell you that, oh, there's just some demon that just keeps tormenting. Well, then tell it to go and not come back in Jesus' name. Hello? Every single person who's born again has 100% authority over the enemy. 100%. Oh, now it might take us a while to mature in that. It might take us a little. But you have 100% over every principality and power. Why? Because you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Christ is in you the hope of glory. Don't settle for a one when you're a 10. Come on, somebody. You've got all authority. Come on, that he's given you over. And guess what? Especially over the realm of your mind and your own heart. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe, don't allow the spirit of religion, that propaganda, that religious political spirit brainwash you. You can think for yourself. You can be free. You can be free in your mind. Don't allow that spirit of fear to contaminate your mind, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I love what Paul says. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, he says this beautiful thing to his spiritual son. He says, hey, don't forget that gift that you got, son. I want you to stir it up. Matter of fact, the, the word he used, I want you to fan that flame. I want it ablaze. Who loves fire? See my face? <laughs> I love fire. I got in trouble when I was a kid a couple times. Oh, I'm, I didn't know that gas had burned that. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I love fire. I love to burn things, right? I mean, not, not I never burn a house down. Don't look at me like that. What kid didn't love to light a G.I. Joe on fire every once in a while? Come on. Or a tumbleweed. Or a car. No, I'm just kidding. I never let a car on fire. Paul says, set it ablaze inside of you. You remember that gift? I'm paraphrasing Paul, the apostle. He said, remember the gift that you got when I laid hands on you? Something was imparted into your very being. Something came alive inside of you. Something God deposited inside of you. Then he says this. Listen, God has not given you a spirit of fear, timidity, a cowardice spirit, but of, come on, love, power, and a sound mind. You know, the root word for sound actually means a sensible mind. A sensible mind. God has given us a sensible, sound, disciplined mind. 
So in Ephesians 4, in closing, he goes on. And he says, a life renewed from the inside. Verse 24, and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Isn't that beautiful? We Don't miss what I just read to you. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct, conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Hear, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Identity precedes conduct and behavior. When you know who you are, Christ-likeness comes out. You're conformed to the image of Jesus as you yield your members unto this free gift of righteousness. Oh, that's so, so juicy, like a juicy filet mignon, cooked medium with some garlic butter sauce on top. Can you feel me right now in the spirit? I mean, come on, that... You, it, it is not hard to be a Christian. It is not hard to think for yourself. You are a son and a daughter. And don't be afraid. Here's the live religion. Oh, I don't want to believe false doctrine. Oh, gosh. Then just focus on Jesus. But think for yourself. And don't be religious for God's sakes. Amen. Let me say that again. Don't be religious. Please. It stinks. It's like not showering for weeks and working out every day in the sun. That's say that's nasty and peeing yourself too. That's what religion smells like to me. Oh, sweet. Gee. It's not even like, it's more like, Oh, Oh God. Like you, have you ever walked in a place and it was that bad? Come on, I'm just, I'm, this is an analogy, okay? Don't, don't let me lose you. Have you ever walked, like, oh, what is that? Oh, oh. corruption, death. Oh, oh, oh. Sweet Jesus, what is that? That is foul. That is the spirit of religion. God wants you free. God wants your mind free. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Oh, I love this. Let me just keep reading. Go ahead and be angry. You do, you do well and be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge and stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't you love the way Eugene Peterson alliterates this? And then he goes on, don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you, did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. A word is a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgiving one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ has forgiven you. Amen. God wants your mind free from every spirit of fear, from every sort of religious propaganda brainwashing. You have to think We as people, especially as reformers in the body of Christ, on the cusp of the greatest move of heaven that the earth has seen. Are you hearing me? 
We live in the greatest time of the history. It's not a time to be cowardice. It's not a time to be fearful. It's not a time to be religious, but to be alive and fully alive because we're a gift to the world. And it's okay to think for ourselves. It's okay to use wisdom, use a sound mind, focus on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, and just watch people be free in their minds, in their bodies, in their spirit. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to set us free. Come on. John 8, chapter, uh, John chapter 8, verses 30, 31, 32. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free. Come on. I, I, I like the word make you free because it's like you don't even have to try. You just believe what he says and oh, I'm just, I step into freedom. I'm just alive. I'm free. Amen. Amen. Are you free this morning? Come on, just seal it with praise, would you? Father, I thank you for these precious saints, and I just declare that they are alive in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to their mortal bodies, their their minds, their spirits, every part of them. I bless them with the blessing of heaven. I thank you. Oh, I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the earth. I thank you for these revivalists, these reformers. I Thank you for these that are mature in Jesus, no longer infants or babes tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine, but we are childlike, not childish. We surrender our hearts, but we will mature in love. We will mature in faith. We will walk in the authority that you've given us in the earth. And we thank you for that freedom that is in Christ Jesus. And so I proclaim it over every person in this room right now. You're free and you're free indeed in the name of Jesus. Would you lift your hands right now and just thank him?